Good Friday, April 7th, 7 p.m. at World Harvest Church. Join Dr. Rod Parsley and Harvest Music Live as part of our Easter weekend celebration that your entire family will enjoy. Your children ages zero to fifth grade will journey with Jesus as they encounter the Easter story in Kid Harvest Clubhouse. Plus, popcorn party, giveaways, games, and more. Good Friday, April 7th, 7 p.m. This Easter Sunday, April 9th, 10 a.m. at World Harvest Church. Join Dr. Rod Parsley and Harvest Music Live for a Resurrection Sunday celebration your entire family will enjoy. Your children will celebrate with Kid Harvest Clubhouse featuring an outdoor Easter egg hunt, bikes, skateboard giveaways, games, crafts, treats, and more. Easter Sunday morning, April 9th, 10 a.m. at World Harvest Church. For more information, visit whc.life. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. Not live with them. Not watch them on Netflix. Power over Satan. Power over sickness. Power over demons. Power over depravity. Power over diseases. I dare you to shout, God's not dead. And I have power. Now just glorify it. He's a spirit. You can't kill him with your proclamations. You can't kill him by assassination. He won't die from an accident or an act of war. No tornado, no volcanic eruption is going to take him out. He is as old as time. Obviously, he's not going to die of old age. You can't slander him to death. You can't ban him, block him, bury him. He'll kick the end out of the grave. You didn't hear a word I said. He is that eternal word of truth. You can't ban him, you can't burn him, you can't bury him. He resurrects himself and beats the pallbearers back to the house and shakes their hand on the way in the door. I ain't got no help up in here. He will not cease. I need to tell every backslidden preacher, God does not cease to exist because of your implied intellectual superiority. He's not a brain, he's a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's not, he's not gonna cease to exist, here's what I'm trying to say, because of lazy, lustful preachers. Nor will he be done in by the insidious leaven 
of the modern Pharisees with their religious rudiments, nor by the modern Sadducees with their voluminous books declaring that he does not exist. He is as tangible today. I need somebody to shout. He is as tangible today as he was when he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He's as trustworthy as he was the day he changed Abram's name to Abraham. I need some shouting. He's as real today as he was the day he appeared to Moses in a bush that would not burn, would not be consumed. He'll provide for you today as surely as he told the apostle Peter which fish to go catch and find his tax money in his mouth. If he healed Bartimaeus and he did, he'll heal you today. Spirit, soul, body, and in all that pertains to life and godliness. He'll deliver you as surely as he did the demoniac of Gadara. He'll forgive you just like he did that woman at the well at Samaria. And then he told her to be quiet and she went running away shouting for the next 10 years, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Why are we so quiet? Silence is the language of defeat. Shouting is the language of victory. Let me tell you one more thing. He's coming back. Mm. He's coming back. I'm trying to get somebody to get a quickening. I said he's coming back again. Faster than the fleetest tooth ever struck a pavement or a wheel ever turned an axle. He is coming back, splitting the eastern sky. The magnificent magnitude of his perfect person sweeping out from north to south, east to west. The crack of his long whip billowing out like the crash of a thousand cattles. He's coming again. God is not dead. In the, in the 70s, oh, I've got to. In the 70s, it changed from God is dead to where did God come from? Well, your Bible answers that. Your Bible says he is from everlasting to everlasting. Without beginning of days and therefore without ending of life. But where did he come from? He came from T-Man. Nowhere. What did he come from? Nothing. 
The reason he came from nowhere is there was nowhere to come from. Because he came from nothing, he came from nothing because there was nothing to come from. He reached out when there was nothing to reach to and took hold of something that wasn't there. Sparks flew from his fingertips. He grabbed them into his hands and cast them like sand on the seashore into the heavens. Light was born. Nobody said a word because there was nobody there to say a word. In the beginning, God existed alone with himself. He searched among the citizens of eternity for a comrade, a confidant, a companion, dare I say, he searched for a friend, but he found none. So our Canaan king reached down into the red, cool clay of earth and formed a man in his own image, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He built him a garden eastward in Eden, and there God fellowshiped with him. Man and God were one. Can you imagine? There were no reassurances needed. Their relationship was one of reckless abandon. I wish yours was. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I'd truly like to know why these busy human beings rush about and worry so. Said the robin to the sparrow, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. With the cool breezes of eternity blowing fresh around the fevered brow of Adam, the, mind, the thought in his mind was, who shall separate me from the love of God? But you know the story. Right there in the middle of paradise, Adam made a choice. He sided with God's great arch enemy. The boldest rebellion in the human family was begun. But God came down in the midst of all that retrieval where man had wound his moral clock backwards. The image of God was dashed to pieces. The locust and its great king came and turned blossom into dust. Death came and turned blue the lips of the children of men. The flaming sword, God banished man in a stroke of mercy to the eastern plains of sterile Eden so he would never taste of the tree of life and live in that cursed and wretched position forever. Lust conceived produces sin. Sin, when it is finished, produces death. We all die because we all sin. I'm going to try again. We all die because 
we all sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He that says he has no sin deceives himself. There is no one more blind than he that refuses to see. Ah. Man divorced himself from divinity in a crazed conspiracy to become like God. Adam and Eve were walking with God, hanging out with the animals, right? They were not afraid of the lion or the tiger. Do you know why? No lion had ever killed anything. Death was not known in the garden. Your body recreates itself. Every cell in your body today is a different cell than was in your body seven years ago. You were created to never die. But sin entered the world and death by sin. The next time you sin, take out a sledgehammer and chisel into your heart over the sin, murderer. Young person, sin will kill you, destroy you, steal from you, take you where you never intended to go. Help me. Keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. Make you pay more than you ever thought you would. It's not worth it. Next time he tries to put his hand on what don't belong to him, slap him. Good. And then go like this. Your hands off God's property, you devil. I'm not talking about giving you something worth living for. I'm talking about giving you something worth dying for. The creator's promise of the knowledge of good and evil was procured. Man sinned through disobedience. He ate of the forbidden fruit. God said, you eat of all these trees, man. All of them. Persimmons, apples, pears. You eat from all of them. But of the tree in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat for in the hour that thou eatest thereof, you will die. And they ate, and your Bible said, they went and became seamstresses. They sewed fig leaves 
I don't know what kind of leaves they were. But anyway, fig leaves are big. I hope they use big leaves. And, and they did it really, really quick. That on. She got hers on. Because they were ashamed. And God came walking in the cool of the afternoon and said, uh, hey, Adam. Adam, God said, I called for you and you didn't come. What took you so long? And he said, I was ashamed. And so are you. The reason people are no longer ashamed is the law of diminishing returns. That means you've done it so often and gotten by with it, Samson, you think it'll always be so. The law of diminishing returns. That's why men that can't stay with their wives go get another woman. And then that gets tired, so they get them a man. Then that gets tired, so they get them a little boy. Then that gets tired, so they get them an animal. Now, see, I had to get all the way to animal. Before anybody went, oh. Come on, Come on. Why? Diminishing returns. What you watch, you participate in. You ought to write things like that down. Are you with me? Another reason is the lack of honor. The lack of honor. We don't honor parents, we don't honor school teachers. We don't honor the police. We don't honor the military. We're arrogant and prideful and rude and blasphemers. We have no honor. When you have no honor, you fall for anything. We have become so accustomed to the outer fringe of God's presence And have no connection to the inner essence of his power. We have no connection to holiness. We don't preach from scriptures like lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Here's good news. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, that's good news. Man, that is good news. In this hell-bound generation, that's really good news. Somebody stand up and shout, God is not dead. No one moving. If you were going to move, it should have been before now. Your Bible says it is appointed to man, every man born of woman, once to die. And 
the judgment. I'm not, I'm not going to change these words. If you fail, preacher, to warn the wicked man in his wicked way, and he dies in his wickedness, I don't care how many of you had sitting listening to you or following you on Facebook. I'll require their blood at your hands. The other reason we have no honor is because we have a backslidden, polluted pulpit. How could I expect you to stay with your wife if I can't stay with mine? How can I expect you to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord if I can't raise mine? No nation ever backslid until that pulpit backslid. And I came to tell you good news. Good news. God's not dead. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember? You remember they sold those fig leaves together? And God said, that won't cut it. It's a real nice fabric and a real nice design, but it won't cover your sin. So what did God do? For the first time, death came to the garden. And God himself slayed two animals and took their skins from shed blood and covered their nakedness. Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. God saw us as we were, and he needed a sacrificial lamb. And you know what he said? I don't have time to preach it. He actually said, when Abraham said to Isaac, when Isaac said, where is the sacrifice? And your Bible talks about they found a ram in a thicket. The actual translation bears out clearly. God said, I will provide myself for a lamb. So God came from heaven down, climbed up on an angry, mean, biting being, and allowed his own creation to drive four-inch spikes through his hands and his feet parting sinew and flesh, and there he suffered, sighed, cried, there he died for you, for you, and for me. When I survey that wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and there pour contempt on all my pride. I surrender all. I surrender all. There was a man during the time of the gangs of New York. His name was Mr. Peace. He was the most notorious gangster of that period. He had murdered more men than he knew, more women, raped, pillaged, murdered children, threw their heads in the streets. Finally, the law caught up to Mr. Peace. They put him in prison. They tried him. 
he was found guilty, the sentence hanging by death. So as they always did, a preacher led him from his cell toward the gallows, reading scripture. He inadvertently came across a scripture that had the word hell. Suddenly, Mr. Peace grabbed that preacher, spun him around, pointed his horrible finger in his face and said, do you believe that? Believe what? The little petrified, terrified preacher said. Well, I suppose I do, said he. Mr. P said, you believe in a place of the eternal incarceration of the damned souls of men in a burning lake of fire where they will be forever separated from God. And the preacher went, yes. Mr. Peace threw him to the ground, stood over him, and said, if I believed that, upon my hands and knees would I crawl. On roads of jagged and broken glass until my limbs became nothing more than bloody stumps. If by chance I might save one human person from such torment. Where are those preachers? Where are those who care more about the one than the 99? Well, if I preach like that, I won't have any, I won't have any coming. If you ask that question, I hope your church overflows seven times on Sunday morning and you realize they're all going to hell because of you. Because you're prideful and you're vain. Because you want to be worshipped like some idol. Because you have no broken heart. You have no burden. You have no tears. You don't lose meals because you forgot to eat because of the lost, damned, dying, hurting, desperate, destitute souls of men. Charles Finney said, Preacher, you better preach so they hate you or they hate their sin. One of the two. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. My mentor, the late, great Leonard Ravenhill said, I doubt that 5% of the people that attend our churches on Sunday morning will ever make it to heaven. 5%. Why? Because you're flippant. Have you even read a chapter this week? The average evangelical preacher prays eight minutes a day. Have you prayed this week? Oh, I talk in tongues. Who'd you try to bring to church this week? Who'd you try to reach out and say, I know you heard it. Jesus changed my life. Come to church with me Sunday. 
God, give us judgment day honesty. The only reason we're here today is for this moment. Because in eternity, this moment counts. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. God said, he that comes to him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he will in no wise refuse. All they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's you. This is your moment. This is it. You may have laced your shoes for the last time, locked the doors at your home for the last time. You may never make it back there again. I pray that you do. But the reality is this. The death rate among human persons remains stubbornly at 100%. We don't think of death, but death thinks of us. There are only two eternal destinations, one a place called heaven, one a place called hell. Today, you choose. God said, I set before you life and death. You choose. I won't serve a God that would send people to hell. God doesn't. You do. By your choices, by your witness, or your lack thereof. Only one thing better than going to heaven, taking somebody with you. Only one thing worse than going to hell, that people would be there by your influence. God, help us. I feel the convicting, wooing power and presence of the Holy Spirit right now. Here's the good news. You can be free. Hell was not made for you. It was made for the devil and his angels. And today, Jesus Christ, with open arms and bloody hands, says, come to me, and I will in no wise cast you out. This is your day. If I was you, I'd run to Jesus. I wouldn't even walk. I'm going to count to three. You want to go to heaven and not hell? Have your life made right before God? Pillow your head tonight as sure for heaven as if you were already there. God already provided his son as a sacrifice. He's just waiting on you to accept him. And this is the moment when you break the chains. This is the moment. When you receive Jesus Christ, not a church, not a man, not a doctrine, not a dogma. Jesus, who died for your sins and raised again from the dead so that you could go to heaven and go home today and watching today know that you're already there. When I count to three, those of you online, you type in the word saved like hundreds and hundreds of people do every week from around the world. Those of you in this room, those of you on our other campuses, when I say three, shoot your hand up in the air. God will do exactly what we asked him to do. And you go home, a brand new person. Are you ready? I don't know, are you ready? I can't hear anybody praying, are you ready? When I say three, shoot that hand up in the air. Make the choice you'll be glad you made when you stand before God as we all will in eternity. On three, raise that hand. One, two, three, raise that hand. Leave it up, leave it up. Don't put it down. Don't put it down as quickly as you humanly can. Grab your belongings, come to this altar right now and let's pray. Come on, you can't do it in your seat, come on. You raised your hand, come on. Jesus went to Calvary for you. The least you can do is walk an aisle for him. Come on, come on.
You're tired. You act like you're tired. Are you tired? I want, if you're on your way to heaven, you to let every one of these people all the way back every aisle to know they're making the right choice today rather than you're ready to get out to the lunch. Come on. This is not an ordinary day. One, two, three, four, five, six. Coming in. Come on. We'll wait on you. Come on. Rejoices over one, what must heaven look like right now? Praise God. Man, a bunch of good looking young people around here. How old are you girls? 21. How are you fellas? 14. Same? 18. How old are you? 19. 18. 16. 16. 19. 21. 21. Okay, we're going to pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you now, just like I am. I'm just me. And today I heard that you loved me so much, just like I am, in all my mess, dysfunction, and pain. You loved me so much that you died on the cross for me. And I come today to thank you and to ask you to forgive me 
Only you never sin. So I ask you, you alone, to forgive me. I ask you to give me eternal life. I ask you to cleanse me by your blood. You took my penalty. And I thank you for that. And because you did, I can receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm not joining a church. I'm joining a kingdom. And Lord Jesus, you're the king. And I want to serve you with my whole heart. Teach me how. Thank you. It feels so good to be forgiven. I could almost like clap and shout moments. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.